to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Hebrews 4 verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. What's the rest about? Well, one of the things the rest is about is about having a heart that's free of unbelief, free of fear, so we can step into God's timeless realm, his eternal realm, into his heart and be able to receive everything that he's done. For in the rest, it's already been done. It's a great spot to have. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, referring to the children of Israel. But the word which they heard didn't profit them, for it wasn't mixed with faith. So the issue here is today that you can sit in this congregation for 10, 20 years and every sermon I preach can do nothing to change you. Because the issue is whether it's mixed with faith. You can sit like a stony tadpole or else you can, you can reach into the word with faith and grab a hold of what I'm going to say and you, and you can say, that is my portion today. Yeah. See, it happened to Jesus. He would go into places and only one or two would get healed because they were the people with great faith. As he has said, I've sworn in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. You see, you have an option today whether you're going to attempt life on your own and struggle and strive, or whether you're going to believe in the goodness of God and step into the rest of God, where you begin to perceive everything God's already done. For he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in that place, they will not enter my rest. So you have a choice today. You can allow God to heal your heart and step into his rest where he works through you, or through bitterness and an unbelieving heart, you can do it on your own. Verse 9 says, There remains a rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered his rest has ceased from his works as God did from him, from his. So let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I've been referring to Hebrews and then to the book of Genesis chapter 22 and the story of Abraham when we've been talking about the heart and rest. And I want you now to turn to Genesis 22 because Abraham is a great example of a man whose worshipping heart positioned him to enter into the rest. Many people read this story of Abraham sacrificing or getting ready to sacrifice Isaac and they don't see deeply into what's taking place here. I want you to read this with me today because this is all about a man who was able to enter into the rest of God because his heart was free from unbelief and pain. And it says in Genesis 22:1, And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. See, you know you're free from pain and unbelief when God speaks and you hear straight away. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on, the one, on, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I was thinking about this, that this is a side, that nothing great can be achieved in God unless God, you allow God to, I guess, disturb your comfort zone. Just a thought. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And they split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. This place is Mount Moriah and it's, and I shared last week, it's a, it is a literal picture of the good heart of God. Moriah is, as you see, where Solomon built his temple. It's a place where it's the same location where Jesus died on the cross. It's a picture of the heart of God, of entering into the heart of God. And he saw this place. So God's inviting Abraham into his heart. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and then we will come back to you. I was think, I've been thinking a lot about this, that right throughout the Bible there is this link between the heart and worship. God invites him into his heart because this is not so much, well, it is about Abraham and Isaac, but this is really an invitation from God to man to see the heart of God towards man because in this same place, it won't be Isaac that sacrificed, it will be Jesus. And both Isaac and Abraham willingly went to the sacrificial place, as so Jesus and the Father willingly went for us. He, he's actually, we, we look at this and we think, how could God do such a terrible thing to Abraham? It's not about that. It's about God showing Abraham the extent of his sacrificial love for mankind. And he's inviting Abraham into this this. This amazing revelation. In fact, I believe that every time that we go through pain and difficult times, it's actually not so much about that. It's an invitation for us to venture deeper into the heart of God and see the vast love that God has for mankind. Yeah, that was good. There's a link between heart and worship all the time. You read Psalm 95, we don't have time to do that. But it begins with this invitation to worship. There's 11 verses in this psalm. But the second half is what I've read to you before about Israel hardening their hearts, wandering hearts. And so over and over we're seeing in Scripture that the only way to keep your heart connected to the goodness of God is to worship, is to worship, is to worship. Are you hearing me? See, this is Jesus' high priestly role in Hebrews 2. He says that, that he is on our behalf worshipping the Father, saying, Father, you are trustworthy, you are good. Right now, the high priestly role of Jesus is to stand amongst his brethren and say, come on, let's join in and declare how good God is. You wonder what Jesus is doing in heaven? That's what he's doing. He's encouraging you. He's championing you. He's, in, he's empowering you and saying, come on. This is so important because in the last days when Jesus returns, the question he has is, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find a people that despite the darkness that surrounds the world, they believe in the goodness of God? What this city needs more than ever before is a release of the, of 
of the revelation that our God is good. I was saying to our leaders this week, you need to see so many Christians, and this is now, I'm on my bike now, so many Christians see daily events through the eyes of natural man. So we've had this issue with Adam Goods, and I can't believe how many Christians minimize what's taking place, and they go, well, you know, he shouldn't have yelled at the girl. My friend, it's much bigger than all that. God is giving insight into the heart of this nation. Just look at his name. Work it out in your head. It's not complex. But I was at the footy the other day and I was astounded to see the hate, not just towards the Aboriginal players, but towards any player on the ground, the, the hurling of abuse and the anger that's in this world. And if ever there needs to be a revelation of the goodness and the kindness and the love of God towards humanity, it is now. There needs to be a people that would rise up. And he says, if you don't rise up, the rocks will cry out and declare how good God is. And we sang that today. Martin led us in worship as we sang about the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The revelation of the goodness of God towards man. Moses said, show me your glory. And God came. He says, the Lord God, merciful and kind and compassionate. Passionate worship. See, this whole event is about the passionate heart of God, but the passionate heart of Abraham. See, this offering of his son, it really is nothing more than an, a revelation of the passionate heart of Abraham towards God. It's a passionate demonstration of worship. And right across the world, we have Christians that come into church, that live life, that are dull in their worship, that have dulled down their passion. And God spoke to me this week about King David when he was called to go out to war and he was a, he was a worshipping warrior. Instead of going out to war, he stayed at home. And the issue is that when the church turns away from the battle that it's designed for, we will find ourselves in a battle that we're not equipped for. Are you hearing me? When we turn away from what we're created to do, which is to be passionate worshippers, we will get involved in things that we're not equipped for. What do I mean by that? If your passion is not being released in worship, your passion will be released in something else that will kill you. Every one of you are passionate today. Even if you're the most dull, boring person, you're passionate about something. You may be passionate about being hopeless. You may be passionate about worry. You may be passionate about negativity. But you are created in the image of God. David was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? Uh, God's heart is a heart of passion. You are created in the image of God. And if you're not worshipping with passion, the passion will be released into a, a death-giving source. Our hearts must be free from unbelief. This is what God is saying. And so I've said the key to that is worship. Our hearts must be free from unbelief so we can enter into kingdom enlargement. And that's God's passion now. As I read this story about Abraham, his heart's so free. He's able to worship God. He might not understand everything, but he is absolutely convinced in the goodness of God. And he's a worshipper. And because he did that, you read in the same chapter, the angel of the Lord comes back to Abraham and said, because you did this, because your heart's free from unbelief, because you're convinced in my goodness, I'm going to bless your socks off. Didn't he say that? He said, verse 17, 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you, but not just you, but your descendants. My friend, when you make a, a, a commitment to worship, it's not just about you. It's about your kids and your grandkids. He said, because you've committed in your house to be a passionate worshiper. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, you're, your descendants will be like the stars of heaven and the sand on the seashore. They'll possess the gates of the enemy. My friend, when your heart is free from unbelief, kingdom enlargement is at hand. I'm seeing a picture right now of hearts where all the stuff has been pulled out. And we don't realize how much unbelief is in our heart, how much cynicism. I feel it in some services when the Spirit of God begins to move. Uh, and I remember back to events in, in, in past days where God began to move and heal people. And I, could, I, I didn't even turn around, but I could feel coming behind me unbelief and cynicism. Our hearts are full of it. But as our hearts get free, and the key, worship. As we begin to worship over all our disappointments when Aunt Mary didn't get healed and Uncle Joe died and this didn't work out. As we worship over those events, our hearts begin to get free. Judah plows. Judah plows. Hosea, Judah plows. Worship plows the heart. From all the unbelief and the rocks, Mark 4 talks about the state of the heart. The most profound parable that I've ever read in the scripture of Mark 4 is a picture of the heart and how the kingdom functions. And Mark is saying that through the words of Jesus that our heart gets so full of unbelief and cynicism and pain and people walk and stomp on our heart. We allow the enemy to stomp on our heart and it's like a garden bed if you keep walking up and down. Eventually it becomes so hard that when the seeds come down from heaven, it's not if, but as they come down, our hearts are resistant to what God is trying to say. This is what God said to the children of Israel. You keep wandering in your heart. You don't know my ways. I keep wanting to bring you into the promised land, but your hearts are hardened. Judah plows, Judah plows, Judah plows. And there are destiny seeds upon every one of you today. I don't know if you see it, but every day, God is raining down seeds of provision and destiny. This whole passage in Genesis 22 is about God opening up Adam's heart to the goodness of God and his provision that is eternal. And God is raining seeds upon your heart. And your job is only this, is to keep your heart in 30, 60, 100-fold condition. So when the seeds of God come, there is a ground that is full of faith. These destiny seeds, the Bible said, they are met with resistance. The birds of the air and the birds are a picture of heavenly beings, either demons or angels. And these birds come. And if your heart is hardened, they will come and steal the seeds. Some of you have had destiny seeds stolen from you. But it's okay, they're coming again. We've had a season where birds come to our, have been coming to our house, big crows and banging on our door. Bang, bang, bang. It's a picture of that. It's a picture of the enemy coming and stealing what belongs to you. And you ought to get a little bit mad. Because if your heart is full 
of unbelief, those seeds will bounce off and the birds will eat them. But if your heart is soft and tender and full of faith, the bird can't get at the seed that is under the ground. Are you hearing me? Destiny seeds. And I tell you, my friend, I, I keep seeing it in my heart. God is passionate today about preparing your heart for the greatest outpouring of blessing, provision, and revelation that you've ever seen. But the thing is, some people will miss it. Sad to say, some will miss it because their hearts are hardened. And they're more worked up with fairness and what this person said or what that person did. Or I won't forgive you. Well, my friend, the birds will come and steal what belongs to you. There's a picture in my book. This is what happens. As we allow our hearts to, to be free from unbelief, the Bible says that these kingdom seeds, according to Mark chapter 4, let me read this to you in verse 30. What will we like in the kingdom too? What parable will we picture? It's like a mustard seed. See, these destiny seeds. So tiny. Just one little word from God. Fleeting word. But when it's sown on the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds. See, never minimize one word from God in your life. But when it's sown, see, when it's sown means it's under the ground, good soil. It grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so the birds of the air will nest under its shade. I love this passage of scripture because it tells me if I keep my heart with diligence, because out of the heart flows the issues of life that create the boundaries of life. If I nurture my heart in worship, kingdom seeds will come inside me. They will grow up into a kingdom tree, like you see there. And the Bible says the birds of the air will come and nest under the branches. I invite the angelic world into my life when my heart's free from unbelief. Up grows a kingdom revelation where it's about God's provision of finance, healing. And as I nurture that with a heart that's clean and pure, this kingdom tree grows and angels are attracted to trees. They want to get under the branches and I, I cast a bigger shade. Peter would walk down the road and his shadow would, would heal the sick. Why? Because he had invited the spirit of revelation. We read Peter's writing, the revelation he had about Jesus on the cross and healing. He had this amazing revelation so his shadow would heal the sick. We enlarge. And this is what, this is what Abraham did because his heart was pure, because he received the word of the Lord. He was enlarged. That's why it says, sing. What's singing? It's worship. Sing, O barren. I don't feel like singing. I tried to have a baby and it never worked out. I'm tired. I'm angry at you, God. No, sing, woman. Sing. Break out into singing. Break forth. Break forth indicates energy, passion. You know, the last thing we want to do is sing when we're barren, when things haven't worked out. But the Bible says, get up and sing, woman. Put on your best 
coat and begin to sing a song to the Lord. Because as you do that, you will free your heart. And the Bible says you will enlarge, stretch out the curtains. Let them stretch out the cords. You're going to enlarge, enlarge. Why? Because your heart has been freed from the pain, from people stomping on you. And now it's soft and tender and plowed up. And God can begin to move in your life. Mm-hmm. That's why John said, he must increase and I must decrease. I want a bigger boundary. I'm conscious of the boundaries of my life, creating bigger boundaries, bigger shadows, inviting angels. See, miracles come when angels come. And angels are attracted to trees, not stumps. If you've got no shadow in your life, you've got no angels. You've got nowhere to perch. Unbelieving hearts attract very little in the kingdom. But hearts full of faith that continue forgive, forgiving, continue to worship over every event. And I, I know in my heart some of you need to go back uh, over your childhood and the way you were parented. And I know it could be all weird, but worship over it, my friend. Because your barrenness today and your pain today and, and the... And the Counselors and all the wonderful people out there, they won't tell you this. But the key is to go back to those events and begin to worship and praise the Lord and proclaim His goodness, whether you understand it or not. And the moment you do that, you'll get free and kingdom trees will begin to grow. You'll begin to be fruitful in your life. Genesis twenty-two thirteen. So Abraham lifts his eyes and he looks. I believe that when Abraham walked up that mountain, he stepped into the eternal realm. See, often when you read about mountains in the Bible, the devil took Jesus up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Was it a literal mountain? Maybe. But I also believe it was a spiritual mountain, he, that they went into the eternal realm. And I believe that as Abraham walked into this occasion... God invited him into the glory realm, into the eternal realm. Anyway, just hold that as a thought. And there behind him, as he looked behind him, behind indicates something that's already happened. Behind him, not in front of him, but behind him, there was a ram. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up instead of his son. And he called that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. I love that because he walks into this event and God opens his eyes and he begins to see all the way back behind him, the lamb that's slain before the foundation of the world. He, Jesus says that Abraham looked into his day. What's Jesus' day? Every day. He says, I am. Abraham looked backwards, forwards. He got into the eternal realm. I love this because he had a revelation of Jehovah Jireh. One of the, one of the meanings of Jehovah Jireh is the many-breasted one. Think about that. The more breasts an animal has, the more it can feed. John was telling me just the other day, 
that it was you, wasn't it? I think it was that that a sheep had three lambs, and so one dies because a sheep can only sustain two lambs. But Jesus says that in this passage that God is Jehovah Jireh, the many-breasted one, which means he has eternal provision for every single person. The milk comes before the baby arrives. So when a wife, when a mother gives birth to a baby, the milk's already there. It's ready to go. And God's saying here, as you step into my heart, as you see my goodness, you're going to step into this eternal realm where you'll see all of my finished works, where I can go back into your past and recreate it, reshape it, undo the works of the enemy. I can change your present. I can go into your future and show you things to come. I can provide. I can win with any hand. If things have gone wrong there, I can fix it up now. If things you need to know in the future, I am eternal. I am the God of glory. And Abraham steps into this realm. And and my point is that when we enter into the rest, when our hearts are pure and clean and free from pain, we can step into a place of eternal provision and revelation. As long as you see time, you will never give to God what you have in your possession because time reflects your situation. Say it again. As long as you see time, this is why some people don't give. You will never give to God what you have in your possession because time reflects your situation. See, that's how Abraham could give Isaac. See, if he only had been caught up in this time frame, kill my son, it's all finished. But Abraham began to see from an eternal realm. You can't understand time from time, but from eternity. And so many of us are caught up in this realm. But God is preparing our hearts. See, he's taking out all the unbelief. Now I can see people just turning off like this is too hard. But my friend, you were born for the eternal zone. You live in the glory realm. And the problem is... I can see people turn off because you're so time conscious, so earthly bound, and God's saying, I want to free your hearts. I want to remove unbelief and lift you up to see my realm. Abraham was able to see behind. He was able to see now. He was able to see into the future. You can't make decisions of great faith living in unbelief. You need to get up into his realm and begin to see from his perspective. Hallelujah. Revelation 4.8 says that the four living creatures are full of eyes around and within. In the realm of the spirit, the past, the present, the future is all now. The Bible says now faith is. God's lifting us up into a realm where we begin to see everything. That's why some people, they get a revelation from God and they put it off to the future. Jesus said, don't say in four months, the harvest Faith is now. We get lifted up into a realm. And Abraham was able to make 
amazing decisions because he was lifted up into a realm where he saw that his decision wasn't just about his son, but it was about you and I today. It was about Jesus on the cross. It was about fulfilling what God intended before the creation of the world. God wants to lift you up. So Abraham, in verse 14, called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. And when you begin to see in the rest what God is about to do, then you begin to decree it and declare it. My friends, I'm giving you tools to change your life. If your heart would be free from unbelief, God will lift you up. So you're not making decisions about your life in an earth-bound revelation mindset. But God wants to lift you up so you can begin to see what is taking place in your world. That's how I want to make investment decisions. That's how I want to move in the spirit. That's how I want to do my counseling. That's how I want to help people when they come to me. I want God to show me past, present, future. I want to have a, have a handle on what God is seeing. God is everywhere. God, lift me up into your realm. And as Abraham did that, as he began to move with God, he decreed, he declared, Jehovah Jireh. God's looking for people today that would catch a hold of what he's doing in the eternal realm and frame it and bring it to the world today. That's why it's hard for some people to worship over our city because they're so time-bound. It'll never happen. So much anger. Church is so small. They're so big. But God wants to lift us up where we see past, present, future, where we see the root cause of the anger that happened maybe centuries ago, where we see the present reality, where we see the future and what God has already done. He says, I am. I am the past, present, future. And he lifts us up. We begin to get a revelation. See, faith only works through revelation. We begin to see how God sees. And then we come down from heaven and we decree that over our earth. Maybe you need to do that for your children. God, show me things to come. Show me the end result. And we're all guilty of this, of spewing unbelief because of what we see in our current circumstances. But get a higher view. Believe in the goodness of God that his intent for my children is to bless them and prosper them and cause them to be the head and not the tail. He wants to lift them up and cause them to be called great people. And so I begin to say, God, it may not look too good here, but show me if there's anything in the past that needs to be shifted. I'll worship over that. And show me what's going to happen in the future. And Lord, as I, as I worship you and I get caught up in your glory, I will come down and begin to decree it and declare it. The Bible says in Hebrews that the world was framed by the word of God. And so we come down to earth and we begin to frame. See, what happens as the seeds come down of God's intent, we need to build a frame, a package for those seeds to sit in. So as we say, yes, Lord, to what you've said, we've done that today in worship. We have framed the intent of God for this city. We give the seeds a life, a place to reside upon. Are you hearing that? And that's what prophecy is. It's a creative force that reaches up into the heavenlies 
and brings the future into the now. Now faith is. Not in the sweet bye-bye. So as I was in worship today, I am picturing in my mind a large building with a large congregation of passionate worshippers worshipping the Lord at Hope City Church. I'm picturing it and I'm saying it's now, not in the sweet by and by, but I say, yes, Lord, that's your intent. I pull it into the now and I decree your intent over this church. It's, it's people that have spoken negativity. I don't care because I am living in your realm. I'm seeing what you're seeing and I decree it. So our hearts must be free from unbelief so we can enter into kingdom enlargement. Then we enter into the rest and we see God's completed works. See, God's inviting us. Come up, come up and see it from my perspective. And you can only do that when your hearts are free from the weight. We need to leave behind the weight that so easily ensnares us and we get lifted up and we begin to see what he sees. It all changes when we see what he sees. It's all redefined. See, I can look at my painful situations through my own natural eyes and get very depressed. Or else I can be lifted up and begin to see from God's perspective. And you know what? Everything changes when you begin to see the past, the present, and the future. And then as I live heart to heart, this is what Abraham did. I love this man because he was such... A passionate worship. He had a history with God of building altars. He didn't just arrive one day and sacrifice Isaac. He had a history of believing in the goodness of God, of loving God. So he was able to step into this situation and redefine it according to the heart of God. He was able to be lifted up into the glorious realm of God and see that it wasn't just about him and his son, but it was about Father's plans before the creation. It was about... Yes, it was about Abraham, but it was about Jesus to come. He was saying, this is how I feel. This is my love for mankind. And in fact, I believe, I can't prove this, but I believe because Abraham decreed Jehovah Jireh, God as the provider, it was the, the frame that allowed Jesus to come as the Messiah thousands of years later. But you can get caught up in your little event and get your heart pained. Whereas you can be lifted up and you can say, wow, it's actually so much bigger than I thought. I look back at some of the events in my life that look so bad. But you know, as I've been caught up with God, I begin to see, wow, it's amazing. You're able to turn everything around. You're able to work all things together for good. You're able to take that, that looked such a negative and make it such a positive. And that's what happens when you get into the glorious realm of God. You begin to see from his perspective and you begin to decree it. See, I want to encourage you, just as another side note, with this whole thing with Adam Goods. You can see it from an earthly perspective Whereas you can get caught up in God's eternal realm and, and see that God is in neon lights to, trying to talk to our nation and to our church, to the church. 
And they will try to address it with wearing armbands and all these, and they're all nice things, but the problem's much deeper than that. And it's actually not even about football or Aboriginals, and that's part of it, but it's about the heart of this nation that's so wounded and bruised and angry. And God's saying, if you come up to my realm, I'll only show you what the symptom is, the problem now. I'll only show you the outcome that I desire, but I'll show you the root from where it happened. And that comes to hearts that are full of faith and trusting in the goodness of God. Because in the natural, this can only lead to bad. It can get worse and out of control, but God's got a plan. Like he had when Abraham came up on that mountain. I don't know what Abraham knew. I'm sure he had an idea he was about to step into the glory zone. But I don't know if he knew the, the, the entire scope of what he walked into that day. And it all began because his heart was a heart of a worshipper that believed in the goodness of God. So can I encourage you today? Number one, allow God to deal with your heart. Worship into every painful event proactively. See, this word won't profit you unless you mix it with faith. If you go home and go, oh, that was a but if you go home, okay, I'm going to lay on my bed, whatever it is, go for a walk. And I'm going to, if there's any areas, Lord, that are, that are damaging my heart and causing unbelief, things that I believe for that didn't look like they didn't happen, if there's cynicism or anything pain, my, Lord, show me those events and I'm going to worship over them. I'm going to dance. I'm going to sing. I'm going to break forth when no one's looking. Shout aloud. And as you do that, Lord, you're going to take those barren places and more are the children of the desolate woman than the children of the married woman. You know, he can take those things that look so bad and he can turn it so much for good that those minuses become a plus, 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 plus. If you'll go home today and begin to worship and plow your heart and every time you feel a bit of unbelief or pain coming, plow the heart, plow the heart. Plow the heart. Worship, 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 worship. Sing, 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 sing. My kids hate me singing, but I know God loves it. Here's this filter in heaven where it's like an auto-tune, a heavenly auto-tune. You never sing off-key in heaven. It's amazing. Why? Because it's heart-to-heart communication. So let's cultivate our hearts. And as we do that, I believe that as you do that, by, see, this is a natural overflow. If, that's all you have to focus on. And as you do that, God will lift you up into the realm of glory where you'll begin to see everything so differently. And the only other thing you have to do after you see that is to begin to decree what God's showing you. And God will begin to shift time from eternity. See, the Bible says, let me finish with this, that in the last days... The glory of the Lord will what? Fill the, fill the earth. What does that mean? Oh, it means that we're going to come to church and have all these glory. No, what it means is eternity is going to press into time more and more and more. Because in the garden, there was no record of time. How long was Adam and Eve in the garden? Eternal. There was no time. And that's what's going to happen. God is going to crash in more and more. And that's why a nation will be born in a day. I believe we'll get to the point where 
past, present and future were all colliding one. The ploughman will overtake the reaper. Over and over in scripture we see, and it boggles our mind, now you're playing with my head, because we're so time orientated, but God is going to do a quick work. He's going to heal the past, the present and the future all in one go. And it comes to hearts that are free for God to move 30, 60, 100 fold. That's where the angels get involved. In my tree, they speed up the work of God. 